If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is VEASAN Daily Morning Bets. Here's your host, Josh Applebaum. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. This is VEASAN Morning Daily Bets for your Tuesday, September 19th. No, I am not Josh Applebaum. I'm Ben Wilson. We'll get some housekeeping out of the way right at the start here in case you have missed it. Josh Applebaum, he's now part of the weekend show, The Sweat, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, Saturdays and Sundays. So even though Josh is such a machine, he's been doing this now podcast along with the Market Insights pods for as long as I can remember since I've been at VEASAN going back to 2019. Uh, with this pod particularly, we, we need to give Josh some off time. So Tuesdays and Wednesdays going forward, uh, I'll be in the chair instead of Josh. I need to give him a little bit of time to take a breather uh, and, and get back and recoup, uh, recuperate a little bit. Although, Josh, shout out to Mr. Applebaum. A very nice night for him as the Pittsburgh Steelers do cover, win the game outright 26-22. You can quibble with whether the Steelers were the right side. I would say they were not, but at the end of the day, that's not what matters. It's what actually cashes, and uh, Josh was all over the Steelers as the home dog. Again, my name is Ben Wilson. I do a bunch of shows hosting at the network, uh, primarily weekend live betting shows, Live Bet Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays, and then Live Bet Sunday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern on Sundays as well. I also do a lot of a lot of shows on the Lombardi line. I'll be on Lombardi line here today, this Tuesday, the 19th, uh, from uh, that is a, a show that we're on at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern. I'm almost forgetting the uh, the times here. There's so many different moving parts. So uh, let's get right into it just to give you a sense of what to expect now going forward. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I really want this edition of the VEASAN Daily Morning Bets to be all about where you can expect markets to go in the NFL. We'll react to the Monday night games on this Tuesday show and, and take a look at the early look ahead lines, where the lines have already started to formulate and where syndicates, betting groups are likely to form releases on Tuesday. We're not going to bat a thousand, certainly trying to predict these market movements, but a lot of times you see Tuesdays, big releases come out. You'll start to see some numbers really, really move. And then Wednesdays is where once the first injury reports start to come out, that's when you start to see significant movement in the market. So uh, if we start with the two Monday night games that just wrapped up, the big one, as far as the big storylines coming out of it, it was in Pittsburgh. Steelers, despite being completely outplayed, 
where they only get nine first downs, out first down 20 to nine, 408 to 255, the total yardage discrepancy. Kenny Pickett was under siege all night at quarterback, under five yards of play. Running game was non-existent, just over two and a half yards per carry on the ground. And yet, thanks to two defensive touchdowns, the Pittsburgh Steelers win the game outright and are now one and one. The team and the game specifically I want to look at is on the Brown side and how better should interpret the loss now of running back Nick Chubb. Quotes after the game from Kevin Stefanski. If you just went to bed right after the game and you missed it, Coach Stefanski said it was a significant injury to the left knee of Nick Chubb. Stefanski telling reporters, I do anticipate Chubb missing the rest of the season. Didn't specify the injury, but According to an ESPN report right after the game, team fears that Chubb suffered multiple tears in his knee and was taken to a local hospital as a precaution, then returned to Cleveland ahead of the team. So you're asking yourself, what does this mean for the line? It's an interesting question. And just I would say, if we're talking about a power rating for Cleveland in general, this is a, a team that is really built on the strength of its running game. One of the best offensive lines in the league. I, I have Cleveland as a consensus top five offensive line unit. And so you have two sides to the coin here. On the one hand, losing Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the league, it's naturally a huge loss. When that is the part of the game, you are geared towards. Yet at the same time, we saw what happened when Jerome Ford came in as a backup, 16 carries, 106 yards. Not to say that it's an entirely replaceable part in Nick Chubb because he is such a dynamic and elite running back. But at the same time, you've probably heard a lot of conversation if you think back to the offseason about running backs and lack of big contracts for a lot of big names around the league. And there's a reason for that. It's because running back is one of the more replaceable, auto-exchangeable positions we have in today's NFL. So while I definitely believe there is somewhat of a, a downgrade, let's just say for the sake of argument, you downgrade the Browns a half point in your power rating. I don't necessarily believe this is going to be a massive loss going forward for Cleveland. The bigger thing that, that did in the Browns was just sloppiness on offense. Two different turnovers that led directly to touchdowns for Pittsburgh and four turnovers combined, along with eight penalties for 81 yards for Cleveland. I bring this up because we look at some of the lines now going ahead for week number three in the NFL. And as I am talking right now, DraftKings has just moved this number Cleveland was in a look-ahead market of about four or four and a half. We saw numbers reopen following the Tennessee win over the LA Chargers on Sunday. And a couple of books, respected books in Las Vegas, Ryan actually moved this down to Cleveland minus three and a half after Tennessee's upset come from behind win in overtime over the Chargers, where quarterback Ryan Tannehill and the Titans looked worlds better than they did in a sloppy week one loss to New Orleans on the road. But overnight... DraftKings, these numbers are all now reposted. Some books were in the three and a half to four range. Well, DraftKings has moved their number up a half point. It's actually gone up from Cleveland minus four, where it sat all day. And the first book to release the first number post Monday Night Football, even with the perceived loss for the rest of the season for Nick Chubb, is now up to four and a half. The, not, the move I see actually happening in this game is going to be to the under. It would not surprise me if we see an early release, early movement on an under that is already very low. It's 41 and a half. And I realize some betters might look at what happened in week two and go, we had overs go 13 and three. Seems like we'll see a lot of adjustments further up, higher totals numbers in week number three. But let's just look at the matchup for a second. You have a Cleveland team that has been absolutely monstrous on the defensive end. Only the Dallas Cowboys have had a better EPA per play basis so far on the defensive end through two weeks. 
And you have a Tennessee team that is coming off facing team number 32 in defensive EPA per play, the LA Chargers. Certainly felt like a fraudulent Fagazi offensive performance, one of the best individual games statistically for quarterback Ryan Tannehill in his career. Hard to believe now translating this game into a road situation in Cleveland that that continues. You look at, at what Tennessee has been able to do, though, the one benefit that having a head coach, a defensive-minded guy in Mike Vrabel that has brought success for the Titans early, two covers, including the outright win last week against the Chargers, it's been the ability to stop the run. Fourth so far on rush EPA per play. And so now you're getting a Cleveland team off of back-to-back, super physical, divisional matchups, off a short week, losing the heart and soul of the offense in Nick Chubb, a quarterback in Deshaun Watson that has been erratic at best and a, a poor decision maker, especially in key spots. Tonight, just 5 of 16 on third downs for the Cleveland Browns, 22 of 40 overall for Watson. I see this being another really, really tight defensive-minded battle. So an under 41 and a half look, I would make that play right now. I see this number closing from a total perspective, sub 40. I, look, Cleveland on the side, it's an unbettable number to me. I, I'd made, I have the raw power rating on my own numbers before you adjust for injuries, which I haven't done yet. But if I was just to take the week two power rating, I'd have made Cleveland about a six and a half point favorite in this game. So higher in the market I am on in Cleveland as, as far as where the general market is at right now at four and a half. But this is one, if we're trying to get ahead of a market move, based on the strengths of each team on the, on the defensive side overall for Cleveland and specifically on the run defense for Tennessee, and from a physicality standpoint where Cleveland is now coming back from, an underplay makes a ton of sense to me. And I really believe if you're going to bet this, this thing now on Tuesday morning, you will get a couple points of closing line value by the time we get to kickoff Sunday. That's one of the early kickoffs, Tennessee and Cleveland. I'll be interested to see where the line goes for Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. My own numbers, again, coming going into week two, would have had Pittsburgh about a point favored on the road in Las Vegas. That is the Sunday night game for next week. I was hoping to see, like, let's say if Pittsburgh had lost this game, they probably deserve to lose. When you get out first down 20 to nine and outgained by <laughs> over 150 yards, you probably do deserve to lose a football game. It would have been a, fan, a fascinating buy low position for a Pittsburgh team that has played Two of the better teams in the AFC so far, I should say AFC and NFC combined, were San Francisco and Cleveland, in my mind, it's, it's been shown. Two of the top five defenses in the league. And despite Kenny Pickett really struggling at quarterback tonight, 15 to 30, 222 yards, a touchdown and a pick, would have been a really nice bounce back spot, even though you say, well, it's a first game on the road after back-to-back home games to start the year. I put the over under at about 35,000 and a half Pittsburgh Steelers fans invading the Death Star Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for the Sunday night football contest. And I really like that opportunity for Pittsburgh to bounce back. Uh, Unfortunately, the market, because of the Pittsburgh win, I don't don't think we'll see much of a sway there. Uh, Early movement has seen some books sitting at a pick'em. DraftKings has been back and forth right now sitting at Pittsburgh minus one. Totals in the market anywhere from 44 to 45. Meanwhile, opening numbers, we've seen a move overnight on the Seattle Seahawks. That is not a surprise. After the Carolina Panthers, that's a Carolina at Seattle matchup in week three. Panthers, again, look just anemic on offense tonight in a home loss to the New Orleans Saints. Even though they get the late backdoor push, a touchdown and a two-point conversion, end up pushing on the closing number of three. But another ugly, ugly performance for a young struggling offensive line, and a rookie quarterback in Bryce Young who went 22 of 33, 153 yards passing 
overall as Carolina really struggled to move the ball. 4.3 yards per play, under 250 yards of total offense and 14 first downs. You couple that with Seattle and a really good performance bouncing back to win outright in Detroit in week two. Not a surprise to see DraftKings already aggressively move this number. Seattle actually up to minus five and a half, and it is minus 115 juice toward the Seattle Seahawks. A number of books in the market are still lagging behind at four and a half or five. So if you shop around, you can find a four and a half. I wouldn't blame people for wanting to get in early on Seattle. I see this number continuing to rise. It's also been a really Jekyll and Hyde Seattle team so far through two weeks. It's hard to really have a gauge on what to expect for the Seahawks, especially when their weakness has been on defense. Carolina is a defensive-minded team who has struggled on offense against two very solid defensive teams so far out of the gates to begin their season in in Atlanta, at least the early numbers on Atlanta, and New Orleans, which we project to be one of the better defenses in the league. So stay away from me right now, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that Seattle number continue to rise, Carolina at Seattle in week number three. The one other early line movement we're watching, again, coming out of the Monday night games, we had two of them this week. The New Orleans Saints will be in action in Green Bay against the Packers. DraftKings has moved this number. It is Green Bay minus two, and that did not budge whatsoever after the Monday night game in what basically resulted in the closing point spread playing out a tight, low-scoring affair. Game did stay under one of just three unders in week two with the Saints winning by three. Total of 43.5 in that game. It's a similar case for Green Bay, like I just talked about with Seattle. Very Jekyll and Hyde team. Looked fantastic on the road in Chicago week one. Looked great early against Atlanta in week two, but really struggled to put it together offensively for four quarters. A big litmus test for a young quarterback in Jordan Love against a good Saints defense. We saw what they did to a young quarterback tonight in Bryce Young and the Panthers. Going to be very telling to see where some early line movement goes on that. Uh, Look ahead, though, was as high as Packers minus three, so money at least has shifted more toward the Saints side as other books have this as low as Packers minus one and a half. Won't always go as long as that on these Monday night recaps going into the look ahead and opening lines for the following week because we had two Monday night games. Most weeks will only have one, but that is what we'll try to do. Look to look to go to the future and see where these numbers are going to move as you get ready to make some bets here on a Tuesday, trying to extrapolate out, look forward for the market in the following week in the NFL. So a little bit longer than expected this time, but this is sort of the exercise we want to do on these, these Tuesday morning shows coming out of Monday night football. We'll take a quick break. We will do, we will get to game of the night. Don't want to uh, discount that because we want to make sure we get some thoughts on action. If you got, you all want to make some bets here on the Tuesday card, we'll get into it. Major league baseball pennant races abounding. We'll talk about that right after the break. Game of the night. All right, time for the game of the night. Don't want to neglect this segment that is a staple of Eason Morning Bets. Let's go to the Major League Baseball card. If you're looking for some action on this Tuesday, one significant flip of favorites overnight and a big line movement. It's been about a 35-cent move, depending on some books. And you actually, at least as uh, as I'm recording right now, just before 4 a.m. on the East Coast, you can still find a couple of books where the Toronto Blue Jays are, at the very least, a pick price. This open... Uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays going to the Bronx, taking on the New York Yankees. You say Kikuchi, the lefty on the mound against Clark Schmidt for the Yankees. Uh, open most shops, Yankees as slight favorites. Both teams off on Monday. Toronto coming off an impressive sweep of the Boston Red Sox. Pretty much putting an end to any hopes of postseason play for the Red Sox. And the Yankees took two of three from Pittsburgh, although it's widely viewed. You have the Yankees right now who have just been a dumpster fire for the second half of the year, Yankees seven uh, seven games in the wild card eliminator number, six games back 
of both Seattle and Texas as we now are into the final home stretch. Only 14 games left in the season for most teams in Major League Baseball. So Yankees are, are basically running on fumes here and, and are unlikely, let's be real. They're not making the playoffs. Seattle and Texas right now each tied for the third wild card spot. So you get the Blue Jays who are fresh off a sweep, and it's what it's just been a crazy, you know, crazy flip of the two, three, and team just outside the wild card picture right now. If you're looking at teams two, three, and four, where the top three make it in the AL wild card between Toronto, Seattle, and Texas, and Toronto for a while over the last week found themselves on the outside looking in, but having won three straight, they now sit a game up on both Seattle and Texas. And I wouldn't blame anybody for wanting to say, look, this Yankees team, it's it's been an anemic offense. It's been one of the worst in baseball not only in the past month or two, but really all season now that the full numbers have come out, especially since the All-Star break and the Yankees collapse has continued in a very prodigious manner to just fade this Yankees team every single night. I say every every situation is unique, but this is definitely a situation where I would like that, especially before this line gets out of hand. I, I certainly imagine more money coming in on Kikuchi and the Toronto Blue Jays. The one thing I always worry about just late in the season is you get these divisional matchups and starting pitchers that you know maybe they've been seen four or five times by an opposing team in the division. I sometimes worry about that, but Kikuchi's kind of in a unique situation where he's only faced the Yankees once all year, and it was way back in April. His fourth start of the year, went six strong, got a win, gave up just one earned run on four hits, was really, really effective then. And the season numbers have, uh, season-long numbers have continued to be really strong for Kikuchi, 381 ERA, advanced stats, the expected fielding independent pitching, which I like to use when handicapping baseball and pitchers in particular, is also strong at 387 with a strikeout per nine rate of over nine and a half. He's done a lot better job this year controlling the walks. It was over five per nine last year. He's down to about just over two and a half in 2023. That is a spot. My game of the night, I would look to play the Toronto Blue Jays. You can find them. Best number I see in the market. You can find a couple of books have this as a pick them, and you can find that in the, the 10 cent lines that you do find still at some books in Major League Baseball. That means it's minus 105 on each side. So Blue Jays minus 105. That is available right now. I, I imagine this number is going to get more like Blue Jays minus 120 to 125 when all set is said and done as they open up the series in the Bronx. That is uh, my game of the night. And this is our Tuesday, September 19th edition of VEASAN Morning Daily Bets. Again, kind of a unique format we'll have for Tuesdays and Wednesdays while Josh is off. We'll look for these Tuesday shows, react to what we saw on Monday Night Football, and move it forward, extrapolate it out, try to see where lines might be moving for the following week for the teams that just played on Monday Night Football. Again, apologize for going a little bit over our normal 15-minute time uh, on the show today, just as, since we had two Monday Night Football games, and we have four teams now to try to handicap where those lines will go. Uh, my big, my best suggestion, though, of those four teams we saw play Monday night that are now playing in Week Three of the NFL, I do like a position on that under: Cleveland Browns, Tennessee Titans in Cleveland, under 41 and a half. Certainly believe we will see a move towards 40, and if not, uh, wouldn't wouldn't be surprised to see that go even lower at 39 and a half. You can catch me today with Michael Lombardi. I'll be on the Lombardi line. That's a show you can hear or watch on VEASAN. Uh, that will be starting at 1 p.m. Eastern, going from 1 to 3 on the East Coast. And I'll see you back here bright and early tomorrow morning on VEASAN Morning Daily Bets. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.